Hey everybody, welcome to the Craft Business Life podcast. My name is Lee Solomon. This is a podcast all about the day-to-day life and the craft and the business and all the nuts and bolts and everything that actors and other artists have to deal with and about their careers and advice and all that kind of stuff. So my guest today is actress Lydia Kalman. And thank you so much for doing this. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. Sure. So uh, why don't you start by giving an overview of uh, your general acting career at this point or what you're kind of up to these days here in New York? Um, I've done a lot of off-off-Broadway plays, Um, done, you know, some small, like, low-budget indie films and short films and whatnot. Just got cast in a production of Shakespeare's As You Like It. As of like two days ago. So, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So now it's rereading that because I have read it before, but I want to brush up on the plot and everything and starting to, you know, figure out the character and work on that. And so that's, that's the latest. <laughs> and have you done a lot of Shakespeare? Not, not a lot. I've only done one other Shakespeare. I would like to do a lot more. So, getting back into that now. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And, um, okay, so, and what's the, what kind of production is this going to be? What what company is doing it, or where is it going to be? Do you know yet? It's, it's the Rogue Players. Um, I forget the name of the theater. I just looked it up this morning. <laughs> I can't remember now. Um, I know it's at the end of April, and, um, yeah, I'm... Do you remember whereabouts geographically in the city the theater it's, is? It's Midtown. It is Midtown, okay. Yeah, West 40s. But it's West off. Forty Six. It's off Broadway or off off Broadway. Off off Broadway. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And so, are you in any of the unions at this point? I'm in SAG-AFTRA. Oh, great. Um, I'm eligible to join Equity through SAG. Right. But I've not taken that leap yet because there's so much great non-union theater right. that kind of like teetering on the edge where. I could join, but I don't know if it's quite the right moment yet. So well, that's always off. the dilemma, and you yeah. know. From what I understand, these days, everybody errs on the side or, or everybody, the advice given usually is to err on the side of not joining till yeah. you either really have to or really have so much work behind you that, you know, you're really like ready yeah. to, to be only union. Cause, um, and I guess, I think, you know, these days with all the different media and everything going on, there's a lot, there's always been work for non-union actors, but I think there's even a lot more nowadays. So I feel like people are uh, are okay with that, or at yeah. least as okay as they can be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, I, and I, I think that's definitely true that you should wait until, you know, either you have enough credits or, you know, kind of the industry's calling you in a sense. <laughs> well, it's interesting, and please don't take this as a pejorative because it's quite the opposite. I I was trying to be an actor on and off here since, I guess, about 2003, mm. and I'm not really doing it anymore myself, um, and I never joined the unions, you know, right. so that was like, you know, uh, what is it, 2013? So that's like eight, 15, 16 years. And you've been in the city about 12 years, right? Yep. So, yep. yeah, it's not, there's no rules about that. And there's, there's not. certainly nothing wrong <laughs> with that. Uh, no. With stay- and I just had, and in fact, I did, uh, I had a casting director on as a guest the other day, and that was nice. a great interview uh, that uh, people uh, 
will hopefully enjoy. Uh, I know they will. I was just listening back to it, in fact, uh, a little while ago. Um, and I asked her about the whole union, non-union thing, and she right. said, no, no, she does about 50-50, and she does yeah. a lot of stuff, and there's plenty of work for non-union actors and everything. Yeah, so. yeah for sure. All right, so um, let's start because one of the pro- we're going to go back through your background and how you got started and everything. Cool. But why don't we start with because one of the again purposes of this podcast is really to illustrate and to help other actors who are in the same boat, you know, uh, and also reveal to non-actors, civilians, <laughs> as as some people call them, you know, what the life of an actor is really like, yeah. um, you know, un- until you strike it big, so to speak. Um, you know, so, so what's your day-to-day life? What's your day job situation? You know, how do you spend your time? What's your kind of day-to-day, week-to-week life like? Okay, well, I do have a part-time job, of course. <laughs> um, I work for a company called Theater Mama. Um, we're ban- brand ambassadors for Broadway shows. Um, right now, our two main ones are Chicago and Waitress. So we're in Times Square, in costume. Are you one of the Chicago yes. people? <laughs> Can I tell yeah. you? So they're still doing that. They're I was one of those that. sandwich board guys oh my for a few years, but this was back in like, I must have been doing that around, I don't know, 08, 09 or something. Yeah. I worked yeah. for a company called uh, HHC Marketing, yeah. which at the time actually, believe it or not, paid us pretty well. Nice. But anyway, so they're still doing that still with the doing Chicago that. Still costumes doing that. and, and I, everything. I think back then, because I back then in those years, like 2007, 2008, I was hosting at Planet Hollywood. So I was still in Times Square. I think they were also, I think Theater Mama was also doing like Priscilla Queen of the Desert or something like that too. Um, but I do that part time and it's such a great part time job to have because it's the hourly pay is fantastic. It's a super flexible schedule. You can basically create your own schedule if you need to give up hours last minute because of an audition or a callback audition or I just booked something and now I have rehearsals and need to switch my schedule around. It's so easy because it's only performers, they only hire performers. So we're all in this together. There's a big enough roster that, you know, if you say, hey, I need to give up the shift, nine times out of ten, it's going to be taken in like two minutes. There's always somebody around that can take the shift. So... See, that all, that's all very similar to when I did it. Yeah. And, of course, yeah. my boss was an actor, too, and he totally got it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm also glad to hear yeah. you say the pay is still good because yeah. I always, you know, wonder about that, too. Yeah. Um, the company that I did, like I said, um, we had a lot of shows, and we were yeah. quite busy for several years. Eventually, they stopped for various reasons, but we, we did pretty good for a while, and it was a cool job for me for a while. Yeah. Um, but whenever, I would always see the Chicago yep. uh, ladies, <laughs> and I have to say, I felt a little bad and concerned for you guys, and you tell me, because, you know, if people, this is, this is so inside baseball, right. I know, but for those that have no idea what we're talking about, if you walk through Times Square... On any given day, you will see quite a variety of things. You will see uh, people in Elmo and Grover and (laughs) Cookie Monster costumes who the law had to crack down on some years ago because they will harass you for money and their costumes are quite sad and, and not good quality at all. That's a whole other thing. And you'll see people giving out, um, ticket vouchers for different Broadway shows. You'll see the guys hacking stand-up comedy tickets. 
And the Chicago uh, situation is, and please, again, fill, fill this in if I'm yeah. wrong. I'm just going based on what I remember. Um, you guys are in sort of a black Chicago-y dancer or black and red. Yep costume yep. and you're sort of not dancing but like posing and stuff right or have yeah they yeah that? it's it's i mean it's kind of up up to your own individual style i mean mm -hmm. some some of the girls are extremely strong dancers mm -hmm. and they'll just you know dance the day away um and then those there are other girls that are not necessarily trained or they're not as strong dancers and so then they can just you know pose and, and look nice and we, we can you know sing songs from the show or whatever but it's it's essentially kind of just bringing some of the show to the general public and you know hopefully they'll go see the show but if not it's more about as long as we can brighten up their day and bring a smile to their face you know putting on this kind of little one woman show as it were in Times Square then that's that's more the main bit of it and it has become more and more difficult um I've been there for a few years now because there's so many more of those like Elmo's and the comedy ticket people, and then even um, these these guys that, as as far as I've heard, they're con artists trying to hand out the CDs. Oh, 100%. Oh, this is the CD of my music. Check oh, out my music. Half oh, the time, it's either a blank CD or it's a piece of cardboard or whatever. They're, I, they're genuine con yes, artists. Yes, but the problem, yes. I mean, <laughs> the tricky thing with that is the cops have to ca actually catch them in the act of, like, stealing someone's money. Because if they're just there handing out stuff, like... I guess technically there's not necessarily a law against them just standing there handing out their quote unquote CDs. So that's a hard thing for the, for the cops to kind of crack down on. And there's so many of these other people that sometimes tourists kind of get scared of us because they think we're conning them out of their money, just like everyone else. When that's not the case, we're hired by the PR department of the Broadway shows to hand out discounts, which who doesn't love a discount to a Broadway musical? They're expensive. <laughs> So we're trying to help you see an amazing show and have a good time in, you know, on your trip to New York City. And so it's tough because we get lumped in with, you know, with the with the con artists and everything. And that's not us. <laughs> You're exactly right. All of that is exactly the same as when I did it. Yep. And on top of how crowded Times Square is just oh, in general. Yeah. <laughs> so that no, that's all exactly right. Yep. And it, it is crazy. But the other thing I was kind of getting at is, you know, especially nowadays, sadly, with the culture and, and the news and everything, you know, and I hope I'm wrong, but I, I just hope you guys aren't subjected to any inappropriate, you know, advances or approaches from people or Sometimes, people yes. trying to... <laughs> engage you in some way that's not only not appropriate but distracting you from trying to do your job and unfortunately just the nature of like we said what you're doing the yeah. outfit the quote-unquote performance not saying it's anything right. inappropriate but stupid people might you know take that as an opening or whatever is there oh, any of that? oh yeah that yeah. that happens not not a lot really yeah. and i think being that I've lived in New York City for so long anyway, I'm enough of a jaded New Yorker that a lot of those comments just kind of roll right off my back and two yeah. minutes later I've forgotten all about yeah. it because it's like, yeah, like it happened and like it shouldn't happen. But at the same time, you've already walked down the street and I will probably never see you again for the rest of my life. So, you know, just kind of a lot of it for me just kind of rolls off my back because it's like it, it's done and over with on, you know, moving on with life and um, which... 
probably sounds terrible to some people, but when, no, you, live, that's when you live exactly. in New York City and you're like, no, you're just yeah. enough of a jaded New Yorker, like, those things don't really just bother you so much. It's like, yeah, 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 whatever, buzz off, you know. You know what also I used to hate is other people, whether it was the comedy guys or anybody, who would try to just chit-chat with me. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, man, you know how this is. We're all trying to do something. Plus, my boss will come around and yell at me yeah. if he sees me. <laughs> talking to somebody rather than trying to give these flyers out yeah so i know i, I don't know. i don't mind that so much um i mean now, back when i started i think we were the only broadway ambassadors out there but now there's a couple other companies so you know when you're chatting with other people that even though they work for a different company they're doing the same thing as you they're actors as well whatever right then sometimes it can be nice to stop and chat for a few minutes because sometimes it gets bored out there the hours drag yeah, on yeah no so, there's know, that absolutely like, that kind of our version of like water cooler talk I guess you know yeah. so sometimes it is nice yeah, yeah although yeah. we can get in trouble if we get yeah, talk but exactly <laughs> well anyway I'm glad to hear that that is still a good option yes, for actors yes. uh, as, a, as a job and is yours where you get your hourly plus you get commission if people use your vouchers to buy a ticket or no? It's it's just the hourly pay. Okay. The commission goes to the company like as a whole okay. and then gets doled out with okay. the salaries. Um, but yeah, that's you know that's my day. I don't know, like two three days a week, you know, the part time thing, and then the rest of the days it's um, you know going online, going on the websites where the casting notices are posted and. Just looking every day, Monday through Friday, what's the order of the new things? And, you know, you submit your headshot and resume and and then, you, you know, you submit to um, 15, 20 things a day and then you just kind mm. of wait and see if you get called in for an audition. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's not like, well, I mean, with Broadway musicals, it's different. There's still the open calls, but there's not as many open calls these days because everything's digital. So the first initial round of auditions is just electronically sending in your headshot and resume. And then you get whittled down from there. So it's it's a lot of, I feel like it's basically a lot of searching electronic want ads and <laughs> sending in your stuff and seeing if you get called in. Of course. Is, and, is and the majority of it. Yeah. Not just your headshot and resume electronically, but often they require a reel, a self-tape, yep. a clip, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, I just so. I just recorded a self-tape this morning before yeah. coming to meet you. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sent that yeah, on, so, it really yeah. has added a whole layer of of both ease and convenience, yeah. but also in some ways complication because yeah. you have to be a little tech savvy and you have to yeah. worry about how to do the camera and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, this came up when I was talking to the casting director on the podcast and I got her to explain the distinction, which is what I was concerned about, that if it's a self-tape for audition purposes... She does. She has no problem with it being just a casual thing with you doing a self tape. Right. She's not worried about any kind of production quality. Yeah. Which was a relief. The yeah. problem she says is when people try to call something a reel or an actual right. film scene. Yeah. And the quality's not good. Then it's kind of yeah. hard because it it takes her out of it. So. Yeah. 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 So, okay, so how many hours are your shifts for the Chicago job? Um, they vary. Some shifts are as little as uh, three or four hours. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're up to nine or even ten hours. A full um, day. Full day. And you said we're doing that about three days a week. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two most of the time, three um, every once in a while. But I prefer to just work, you know, a long nine-hour day, work, you know, two of those long nine-hour days, cram in all my hours for the week, and then I can have the rest of my week open to – 
be, you know, submitting for yeah, acting so work and going to auditions and, and even, you know, taking workshops and classes and because you always have to keep up with that and keep that muscle work in and you, so absolutely. that, you know, if you're not in a play or a, a film or whatever at the moment, then keep working that muscle and keep doing that. Of course. Yeah, well, yeah. That, that's exactly all the kind of stuff I want to talk about. But again, I'm just, just in terms of the nuts and bolts of your schedule. So, uh, so other than if and when you get paid acting work, your only right. regular source of income right now is the, sh and I'm not trying to put you on the spot <laughs> and you don't have to answer any of this if you don't want to, but I, I'm just trying to get people to understand what it's like for actors. Yeah. So is the, is the Chicago job your only actual source of income when you're not getting that's, paid for that's acting? That's the main bulk of it. Yeah. Every once in a blue moon, I'll pick up a day of like background work on a film, you know, mm -hmm. film set. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that a lot, obviously, because I don't want to get pegged as mm -hmm. just a background actor. Yeah, I remember you mentioned that to me in, yeah. your, in your email. Great, it's like, you know, some Sorry. people, that's what they do and that's all they do. And that's fine. If that's what makes you happy and that's what you want to do, great, good for you. That's not what I want to do, but, you know, picking up a day here and there, you know, especially if, if work at, you know, working for Chicago is slower, then yeah, it's nice to, you know, have that option to put a couple extra bucks in your pocket, especially being SAG. I was My a, pay is a little better. That's what I was going to say, is that yeah. the good news for you, I hope, yeah. is that you are getting the union rate for the yep. background work now, which is great. Yeah. And it's funny because when I was recently thinking about dipping my foot back in the acting world, I was looking at, you know, first of all, again, some, some information for people. If you go on the New York City, um, I think it's called like the Office of Production or something. Basically, if you Google like what TV shows are being filmed in New York City, mm -hmm. you'll get a link to an official government site with a list of the productions going on. And there's a ton of TV shows that we're all aware of that we don't even realize are actually filming in New York City, yeah, and they there's are. A lot. Um, there's a lot. And so anyway, I was going to register on Central Casting as a non-union, yeah. and these days, the way it's working with Central Casting, which, again, for people who don't know, is like the big uh, way to get into background work if you have no other connections. Um, if you're non-union, you got to register online for a day of registration, and they're all booked. And it yeah. just keeps saying, keep checking back, keep checking back. Yeah. But there's nothing open. Yeah. And they won't let you just walk in. So you can't even get a non-union registration anymore. It's yeah. crazy. I'm, I'm actually not even reg registered with Central Casting. Um, yeah. There's a couple other, Grant Wolfley's the other like real big yes. one. And then Comer Casting is pretty popular. I've not gone in to re-register with Comer because the way it was before, I'd submit for background work on castingnetworks.com, which is like the major thing for background work, and they would hire me. And then they kind of like revamped their system and they decided to like have people register specifically with them instead. And so I'm still kind of in this like rebellious state since, I mean, I don't even want to do background work full time. Right. Anyway, I figure what's the point, but right. it's just the whole principle of the fact that they have hired me for background work. Quite a few times, I shouldn't have to re-register. I should already be in their database. Right, so right. it's more just like I'm kind of being a rebel and just <laughs> just not bothering. So I'm like, no, forget it. You've hired me before. This this is a waste of my time. So well, this is I haven't also, bothered to re-register. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is also a great example of again for people about the the non-glamorous 
laborious stuff that actors have to deal with, you know? Yes. Um, Any cool stories of background days? Any celebrities or anything? Oh, yeah. I've got a a couple cool stories. Um, A scene with Meryl Streep in The Post. Oh. That was pretty exciting. I had no idea that morning what I was going in for. Because a project that big, when they post it on casting networks, they use a code name. They're not going to tell you the real name of it. So I had no idea. I just Is knew that was, so? I didn't yeah, know that. They used coding. So they were, they were calling it Nor'easter. I went in for the wardrobe fitting and all the wardrobe ladies no, wait, were talking. I'm sorry. Let's back up a second. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm naive, but I, I didn't know that. Yeah. But why do they do that, do you think? Be, I think because the first kind of big thing that they filmed here, um, spoilers went out on social media way too soon. And so it's a way to keep... Oh, so in other words, if you as an actor know a week before, oh, hey, I know that this Meryl Streep movie is shooting at such and such a place on such and such a day, the public could kind of come and get in the way of the shoot. There's that. I mean, there are times they'll show up anyway, but like I know with with the one Spider-Man film um, with Andrew Garfield, um, I think someone had like, they'd actually like put up. Uh, you know things that were happening in the plot line of the story right on social media because it's like right. oh i filmed the scene i know how this is going to end or however and, and aren't you technically so, don't you have to sign something that says you won't do that when you do yeah, that sort of thing yeah. yeah the one thing that they let us get away with is like bathroom selfies like if we just want because like, or like quote-unquote bathroom selfies or like in the holding room if we're just taking a picture because like we love the outfit that we're in and it looks oh, really sure. cool. You know, like just for your own memory's sake. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. And there is a way to go about, if you want to post that online, doing it properly. Like, you know, don't use specific names of the film or the actors. It's just like, oh, hey, look at this cute outfit I got to wear on set today. Like if it's super vague like that, they kind of let that slide, at least as far as I've seen. I hope sure. I'm not getting myself in trouble. No, no. <laughs> but, um... But no, as long as you're not using specifics, like if it's just a selfie of, oh, hey, look at this cute outfit I'm wearing, then that's fine. But yeah, it's it, they don't want plot points revealed and, and things like that. Sure. Um, okay, but, I'm sorry. So cool. So <laughs> for the, the Meryl Streep So scene. yeah, so I don't know what it's, I know it's about the Pentagon Papers. That's all I know. I have no idea. Yeah. So I'm there and holding, getting my breakfast, you know, we're signing in for the morning, all that kind of stuff, getting hair and makeup done. And again, to give people an idea, how early a morning are we talking about? What time um, are you there? I think I might have had to be there at 6 or 7 a.m. 6 a.m. But that's, okay. you know, they want your hair cleanly washed and everything. So you got to, like, wash and dry your hair and stuff. And Before this, you get there. Before you get there. Yeah. The subway ride there. I, was I mean, you're set. talking you're like setting your alarm. In New York. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about setting your alarm for, like, 3 a.m. Again, not very glamorous. And if you get there and your hair isn't what they want or whatever, do they either, like, have somebody help you fix it or do they kick you out? What oh, do they no, do? they definitely fix it, especially okay. with something that's like the post that's a period piece. I mean, they, they okay. know you're not going to get your hair styled perfectly for that time period. Right. They just want to make sure that as they're working with your hair that you don't have any previous product in, like hair product in or this and that because it makes it harder to hold the hairstyle. If I it's, see. So that's, it's more for that. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm, I think I was done with hair and makeup already and I'm sitting there eating the breakfast that they provide for us. And one of the guys sitting at my table was saying, oh, I wonder if the boys are going to be here today. I was like, what do you mean the boys? And he's like, oh, Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg. I was like, wait, what? What is this that we're filming today? (laughs) Repeat this back to me. So, yeah, I did not know until I showed up on set that I was going to be in a scene with Meryl Streep. And even Steven Spielberg himself gave us background actors direction. 
which like never happens. Right. Usually it's, you know, an assistant director an or an AD. Yeah. Um, and at first it was the, the first AD that was giving us direction, but yeah, Steven Spielberg himself directed us background. And, um, at one point, Meryl Streep was resetting. And it, it's the scene, for anyone who's seen it, when she's walking into the American Stock Exchange, there's secretaries waiting outside. Because, of course, at that time, women were not allowed in the meeting room. So we are the secretaries waiting for our bosses, you know, outside of the, the meeting. And she wa- she doesn't say anything. She just walks in, walks up the stairs. And at one point, she was resetting, you know, to roll again. She's walking back down the stairs. And she just turns around and looks at us all. And she's like, you all look so beautiful in your dresses. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I about died. <laughs> now, okay, so how many of you were there playing secretaries about? About 20. 20? So okay. it was a pretty small group. And yeah. so again, you know, this is all, you know, interesting. And again, to give people an idea of, of you know, you see a scene in a movie, even if it's a minute of screen time, it takes hours and hours it can to take, shoot, doesn't yeah, it? it can take, I mean, I've had some that, that went a little shorter, maybe three, four hours. I've had some where the scene is 30 seconds in the show, and it took 16 hours. Exactly. You know, you start at 10 a.m. Exactly. You don't get done till like 4 o'clock the next morning. Exactly. You practically pull an all-nighter. It's so let's use this Meryl Streep scene as an example. So, and I'm sorry to say I haven't seen this movie, but... So the scene is she just walks past you guys yeah. into a room. Yeah. No dialogue. No dialogue. During your part. No dialogue. Okay. And and the thing is, I'm this you know true story. These are real people. And the the part about it, even though she doesn't say anything that's so powerful, is because of the fact that she was ahead of her time. I mean, she's she owns and runs a newspaper. And here we are, secretaries that aren't even allowed in the room just because we're female. But she's kind of the main event, you know, the guest of honor in the meeting. And so it's it's one of those moments where even though nothing is said, there's so much that's said in the silence of it. Of course. Because she, you know, here's this woman that we all look up to because she's so ahead of her time and, and everything. And so it's... It's like there, there, there's not a lot happening, but at the same time, there's so much happening. Yeah. So how many takes would you say that you do of just that, just that thing, just her walking past you guys? I, I don't know. I don't know. This, this one went faster than a lot of film shoots, but okay. there's even, even if everything goes perfect, you know, and you only do it in a few takes, you still have to get the different camera angles and you have to get the wide shot and then you have to zoom in. And then, you know, sometimes too, you know, especially if you're filming outdoors, sometimes you're rolling, they're about to call action and then you have to stop because there's a plane flying overhead Mm -hmm. and those microphones pick up every tiny little thing. is one of the toughest things in in any kind of filming. Yeah. So filming outside especially can, can be a long day just because of things that are outside of our... Oh, control whether it's you know a, a fire truck with the siren going or a plane mm-hmm. flying overhead or and then it just makes it even longer and longer and it has nothing to do with you know the actors not remembering their lines or yeah. you know it has nothing to do with anyone's talent or whatever it's just things that are completely outside of our control and again the, the good part uh to let people know especially if you're union uh, is that after a certain number of hours, you get paid even more. Oh, so, yeah. And yeah. then if we're not given, like, a 15-minute break every right. so often, we get, quote-unquote, right. meal penalties. Right. So, so this was a day of all day, this one scene for you, right? 
It, it was a pretty good chunk of the day. I think I got yeah. out at maybe four in the afternoon, mm-hmm. so not as long of a day. That I'm was saying, kind of so six a.m. to four p.m. Whatever, which is yeah. a short. I yeah, that is actually a short day. We'll That's a, it's a short day. It may not sound like it too. But it was all that one scene. <laughs> Just that one scene. Okay. Yeah. Now you mentioned that Spielberg actually directed you guys. Yeah. So what? How did that go? What did he say? Oh, was great. He he has a very amazing vibe about him because he's he's obviously such a legend. Yes. But there is something very common zen about him yes. i mean he walked past us and you just instantly feel at peace it's amazing mm-hmm. um but yeah it was it was more just like little tweaks here and there of like um oh that was a little too animated in awe bring it back a little bit you know lo- those little tweaks and adjustments right. that we got and of course i mean the, all of us are, we're here with meryl streep so it's I feel like real life and art kind of matched up perfectly sure. because here we are all in awe of this woman that we look up to. So it, it wasn't too difficult, that scene. <laughs> and was it the kind of thing where you had to try to repeat the exact same movement and reaction for yourself every time or no? Not quite. Um, I guess that would come into play in a sense of, you know, where like if you're walking or things like that like staying within the frame of the camera mm-hmm. to match up continuity wise but um but not it's not so strict as far as that goes not really and was there any like people coming up to you first saying things like you know miss streep is about to be here please don't talk to her please don't approach her you hear stories like that sometimes you, you kind of get that talk in in the holding room before you're taking a set you do but but once you're on set, you never know when exactly they're going to show up on the set. It's just, you know. But how how intense is that talk? I mean, is it like, do you get scared or? No, not at all. It's right. it's one of those things that I feel like it's a talk for people that are not as experienced. Because, you know, when you're there, even when you're just a background actor, you're in a professional work setting. You're there to do a job. And so, exactly. you know, for, for anyone who is a professional at this and is a professional actor and, you know, respects the craft and, and everything, it just seems like a no-brainer. It's like, well, obviously, I'm not going to, you know, just like I wouldn't walk into some random person's office and, you know, start chit-chatting and just and disrupting their work. I was you know, it's, say, exactly. Yeah, it's you know same, what she's trying to do, and you're part yeah. of this production, too. Yeah, yeah of course. It, and yeah. you don't want to get the reputation of being a difficult background person. Exactly, so, exactly, yeah. yeah. All right, so that's very cool. So, hey, I know it's not, like you said, you don't want to be doing background all the time, but, but as yeah. a way to make money in between, that's pretty good. There, there are moments like that when, very yeah, cool. it's pretty awesome. That's great. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's how you, how you spend your time. Now, um, in terms of, you know, making a living as mm-hmm. much as possible with all these different things, you know, you know, um, how do you find it as far as money and budgeting? Are you a good saver? Do you have money in the bank? I don't need details, <laughs> but how have you found, especially in New York City, right. the ability to live the way you're trying to, you know, and, and dealing with money? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not glamorous by any means. I, I have enough money to get by. I don't have much. I mean, you know, until a few years ago, I think I was at like right at the poverty line i mean yeah. you, you know you can do scenes like you know a scene with meryl streep but you're just getting that one paycheck for that one day 
it's, you know, and, and that's it. And then the money's gone. So I'm lucky enough that my mom can help some, mm-hmm. not a lot, but some, sure. um, I'm on her cell phone plan, family plan, because I talk to her more than anyone else on the right. phone. So we might as well get free mobile to mobile. Right. Why not? Right. So I'm on her her family plan, her phone plan. So I don't have to worry about my cell phone. Um, she help out. She helps out with my credit cards when she can, when she's able to. Um, being that I'm so close to home, being that my hometown's upstate, if I'm going up to visit, she'll stock me up on groceries, especially things that will last mm-hmm. whether it's like cereal pasta mm-hmm. like things like that that she can buy plenty you know ahead of time and um and then she'll even cook uh cook meals and and put in tupperware dishes that you can freeze and i have some meals in the freezer too so i'm i'm lucky that i do have some help and support so it sounds mom. like then that she is supportive of your goals yes and uh, you know does she you know, do you think she worries about your, your choice of a career or? I know, I know when I first told her about it, she did. Um, but now I don't, I don't know that she worries any more than mothers normally worry about their children in, in life. Um, when she realized how set I was in doing this and how determined I was, she, she, you know, said to just go for it. And she supported it because she doesn't, she doesn't want me to, just settle and just take whatever career or job just because it's financially stable. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want me to wake up one day regretting okay. not chasing my dream. Right. She gets that. So she's definitely supportive of it. My dad is a musician, so <laughs> he's already in the performing That's business. That's right. You so did of course, tell me you come from an artistic he, family. Yeah. So, of That's course, right. my dad supports so he it. That's, it. He gets it. Totally. Cool. So, yeah. And... You know, so you mentioned about the groceries and everything. And, you know, as you said, sometimes you're in a little better shape than other times financially. But I'll be honest, you know, I I made a lot of mistakes and I I did not live within my means when I was (laughs) a quote unquote struggling actor. But, you know, so do you find yourself in terms of like, again, especially being in New York and there's plenty to, to tempt you here, but... You know, do you find yourself like, you know, are you able to do anything that's a little splurgy? Do you ever eat out? Do you ever go out for drinks? Or are you just like, I can't do anything? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I find ways to do that. I mean, there, yeah. there are enough bars in New York City that have great happy hour deals. Absolutely. Or, yeah. you know, at, at the very least cheap enough, you know, beer on draft if it's one of the more expensive bars, you know. I I don't know if you read this, but I read a great book called Acting is a Job by this guy, Jason Pugach. And uh, he gives a very honest, uh, you know, telling of what it's like to be an actor and so forth. And it's it's a good book. It's a good reality check book for anybody interested in acting. Um, Similar to what I'm trying to do on this podcast, I think. But... Uh, it's a great book, but he talks about doing regional theater, <laughs> yep. you know, in different small places. And he's like, uh, he said something like, you know, the, the the favorite thing that actors on a regional show like to do is run up local bar tabs yep. in, the, in, the, in wherever they are. Okay. Yep. And um, yeah, no, I was just curious because again, yeah. it's, it's lifestyle and it's, you know, sacrifice is something, but at the same yeah. time, you know, you are human and this is New York and, and you want to enjoy being in New York and yeah. enjoy life. So good, good. So it sounds yeah. like you have a good balance of there's, all that. Yeah, there's ways to budget. I mean, you oh, know, yeah. sometimes I can splurge a little bit more in a restaurant. Sometimes mm-hmm. 
especially Sunday brunches with my girlfriends, you know, some, I'll want to go because I want to ha- have the company of my friends, but right. sometimes you have to budget and just get the, you know, cheap four or $5 croissant instead of like well, the French toast and eggs this. and all that kind of stuff. I'll you tell know? you this, having been, a, I, I did the waiter thing myself yeah. for a long time and, uh, you know, going to places and meeting people, uh, this isn't just an actor thing. This is a New Yorker or anybody thing. The places that do like the truly unlimited alcoholic brunch, like right. the mimosas or yeah. whatever. I mean, I've heard some stories like people take unlimited very seriously. Oh, yeah. and they have to like <laughs> get help or kick people out. I mean, it's Sunday at oh, 2 p.m. Yeah. And people are gone. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, okay, so um, all very cool. Now, um, let's get back to your background and training Mm -hmm. and all that because I really want to get into all that stuff. So you were born and raised somewhere near Binghamton, New York? Yep, right outside of Binghamton. What's the name of the town? Kirkwood. Kirkwood? Yep. Okay, and what was it like? Kind of a small rural town? Or? Yep, that's exactly what it is. Small rural mm-hmm. town. It's it's basically a suburb of Binghamton. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to go into town to go grocery shopping and go to the movies or whatever, you're going to be going to Binghamton or Vestal or Endicott or, you know, any of, any of these places. Right. So it's, it's basically just like a rural suburb. Um, yeah, I had uh, one of my friends uh, in elementary school lived on a farm. So I used to help her with her chores. I used to help her feed the rabbits and the goats and the horses. So I grew up in a very different setting than New York City. <laughs> I, uh, it's funny. So you didn't grow up on a farm, but you had no, a friend, but I had friends, friends who did. That, yeah. So, and I, I don't, I, I, I try not to talk this much on this podcast. Forgive me, <laughs> but I have to tell you this real quick. So I'm from this area, New York right. City and Long Island. I ended up going to college uh, upstate, as I mentioned, way out west in Geneseo, New York. I had looked at Binghamton also. Anyway, um, I, uh, I lost my train of thought a little bit, but I think what I was going to say, one of the stories I was going to say is, oh yeah, so, so it was a very different culture for me. Yeah. You know, it was very interesting. Um... So I did this play. I think it was uh, Very Child, Sam Shepard. Mm, yep. And loved that play and loved doing Sam it. That was, was one of my uh, favorite memories of acting yeah. was that particular show. But anyway, so I think I'm thinking of the right one. Maybe not. But there's a scene where my character actually husks corn on stage. Yeah. And we went to this... Uh, cornfield to actually get the corn ourselves yep. we did as a, as, an, as a cast and crew and then bring it back I had never done anything like this before <laughs> and of course all my castmates were because a lot of people I went to school with were from the upstate yep. you know different rural areas and they were they were shocked they were like you don't know how to husk corn <laughs> I was like, I have no idea what this is. So anyway. Yeah. But so that's good that you had that kind of hands-on farm experience because I think it makes you very real. You know, I think it yeah. makes you grounded no matter yeah. what you end up doing. Definitely. So you said you have an, you had an artistic family. Tell me about yep. that. My dad plays piano and keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was in a band when my parents met, and they they could have really gone places if they stuck with it but you know the usual thing happens there's you know drugs and drinking involved jealousy the all that musicians kind of stuff. musicians in the late 70s <laughs> and early 80s you know how that goes um yeah no some of my dad's bandmates they went on to um 
one went on to do lead lead singing and one did bass guitar. Uh, the drummer went on to do drums. Um, they filled in for the band Badfinger. They filled in for um, Foghat. So they went on to actually Forgive like. Me, I'm not familiar with these bands. Um, Fo- Foghat is um, <laughs> so right. Do, 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 do. Oh, okay. Take it easy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, so some of my the the guys that my dad was in the band with went in to fill in, like when those original, you know, like the lead singer ducked out stuff like that. Huh. But they, my dad's band opened for the Guess Who. They've opened for Toto. Okay, so they were in. They the were. They were in the professional rock, pop music yeah, world. Yeah, they were. They were Very on their cool. way. They used to tour up and down the East Coast. Wow. So they were. You know, they were almost there. But, but again, you know, it's late seventies, early eighties. There's drugs. There's drinking. Yeah. Um, my mom, you know, tells me that sometimes after a set, people would request my dad to stay on the stage and play like Billy Joel or Elton John or something like that. Excuse of course, that's not going to go over well with the rest of the band. Oh, you only want to hear him play now? You don't want to, you know? Interesting. So, right. you know, all those dynamics came into play and they, and they split up. But my, my dad is a brilliant musician. Um, along with his genius comes madness, as so often happens. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's a brilliant, brilliant artist. He's so talented. And my dad's sister, my aunt, owns a dance studio. Cool. So as a baby, I was very energetic and very active. And so my aunt said, well, you know, bring her down to the studio. Let's see if it's a great outlet for her energy. Why yeah. not? So I had my first dance class after, the day after my second birthday. Wow. And took to it. And, and the rest is history. I, I danced at her studio all the way up through graduating high school. Went to competitions, all that kind of stuff. And then also for a while, there was a non-for-profit youth ballet in my hometown. Right, you mentioned That would perform at a theater called The Forum. Uh And it gets, it's still to this day, it gets the Broadway tours. It's a Broadway-sized theater. And we would, we'd either sell out or come close to selling out every single show. So you got into dancing first. Yes. I was a dancer Not, first. Uh, before acting or anything. Yeah. And so just to be clear, when you were growing up, was your dad still making his living as a musician? He he would have a, you know, part-time day job now and then, mm-hmm. for sure. But for the most part. Not easy as a musician to, either. No, no, of course not. Yeah. But did you feel that your home life was stable? Yeah. Great. For sure. My Great. mom and I are absolute best friends. If anyone out there has seen the show, Gilmore Girls, that is me and my mom. Okay. She is my best friend in the world. So I definitely had a stable home life. And, and my mom's mom was just a mile down the road from my house. So I had okay. my grandma right there as well. Gotcha. So, and did yeah. your mom also work? or? Yep. What did she do? Um, she's a secretary at Binghamton okay. University. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. She's retired now, although she's filling in for, I think, someone else had retired. And so now, until, you know, until they fill fill the slot um but yeah she worked there and then she also worked part-time on the school board taking like the minutes for the meeting and stuff like that of the school district that i went to so she had cool you know part-time job as well gotcha. but, yeah all right so you're growing up you're doing the dancing you're even performing you yeah. said in this big theater as a kid great and then high school did you start doing plays and stuff or my school district at least when i was in high school did not have a drama club. Oh, we wow. were too poor. Yeah. Our school district was too poor. Crazy. So I was a cheerleader in high school because that was the closest thing I had to either dancing or performing of any kind. Gotcha. So I thought, well, why not? It's something. <laughs> Did you, but so... Were you aware of the idea of acting? Like, did you want to be in plays? I, I, was, a, I was aware of it. Yeah. Um, I had kind of, you know, taken... 
maybe like a free little workshop here and there. Right. Um, but the, the summer right before my junior year of high school and then the summer right before my senior year of high school, um, I was in a musical through Binghamton University. It was a summer youth musical theater workshop. Right, and that too. three yeah. weeks and we had three weeks to put on full production of a show. The first first year we did Lehman's Rob, which is to this day my all time favorite musical. Okay. I love it so much. Yeah. And then the year after that um, that I was in it, we did The Secret Garden. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I kind of thought about it before. And then that was when I really kind of dipped my toe into and I'm. I can sing and I can dance. I'm not good at doing both at the same time. (laughs) I do not have the lung capacity for that. But, you know, being in the ensemble for those two gave me a little bit more of an idea of the acting world versus, you know, just dancing. Oh, I see. So the the first transition toward acting was from dancing into musicals. Yes. Makes sense. Yes. And, okay, so this was still during high school. Yep. And then what ended up happening as far as college or what was your plan? At I, um, I, you know, looked at quite a few different colleges, but I was looking at conservatories as well. And my top pick was the American Musical and Dramatic Academy here. Conservatories and, for both acting and singing kind of thing or conservatories for what? This this is um, acting. They There's two majors. There's musical theater acting and there's just you know straight plays and and film and tv Mm -hmm. and um it was my top school choice i found out about it because a couple other students that my aunt had at her studio that were you know quite a few years older than me but i knew them as you know as a kid they had gotten into that conservatory and so that's how i found out about it it was my top choice and i got in so so we're talking about amda here in new york yep here in new york and Mm -hmm. so instead of going to a four-year college i went to a conservatory where you have classes varying from you know voice and speech and stage combat which was an absolute blast i learned how to fight with swords and daggers and we did hand-to-hand as well but i really loved the sword fighting i once i have the proper extra money and funds, I would love to take up fencing because it's it's very similar in the basic technique. And So I'm sorry, again, just to be clear, you ended up at AMDA in the acting school or the musical school? Acting. Acting. And they, you know, in, in registering for the audition to be in the school, they, you know, were kind of questioning me like, are you sure? Because we see that you're a dancer. But by that point, my joints were already starting to wear out. You know, I was already feeling like that kind of, <laughs> that like old athlete who like, okay, it's time to retire now. It's crazy, right? I know. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I some women, you know, they're, they're able to dance in their 60s, 70s, yeah. but my joints wore out really fast. Wow. And so to, towards the end of high school, I started thinking about acting because I thought, well, this way I can still perform. I can still bring a story to life the same way you do when you're dancing but it's not going to wear out my joints. It's it's something that basically as long as you can talk. <laughs> and, you know, I used to say back then, as long as you can walk and talk. But even these days, basically, as long as you can talk, yeah. there's going to be a role out there for you. Yeah. You can act. Yeah. And so that's when I started, you know, looking into the acting roles. And, um, and yeah, so I, I came here to AMDA and, you know, you had character analysis classes and, and this and that. And, and a lot of the teachers are actors themselves. So, you know, they're, you know, they're teaching during the day, but then they're going to rehearsal at night and, oh, yeah. and things like that. So. so good. So let's get into the training at AMDA because training uh, is one of the other themes I really want to get into on this podcast. 
um, for a variety of reasons uh, because it's an important aspect yes. for actors and I'm, I'm fascinated by it uh, because I didn't have much formal training myself and, I, and I'm sure that it hurt me ultimately, but I want to talk about all that. So, uh, okay, so give me the overview of what the basic training style or philosophy is at the AMDA Acting Conservatory. Um, they, um, you know, I know there, there are quote unquote methods out there of acting, you know, like Lee Strasberg and, and all these, you know, methods of, you know, that these specific teachers, you know, 50 years ago or whatever had come up with. The nice thing about AMDA is that they don't focus on just one method. They Mm kind of give you like a nice sprinkling of all the different sorts. So then you can find out what works for you personally, which was really nice. That seems to be make sense as the best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And what I have found works best for me most of the time, I mean, each, each character can be a little bit different. I mean, if you're working on a piece that's real dramatic and emotionally heavy, then yeah, you might want to go back to this training of these different methods and whatnot. But you know, especially if it's like a more lighthearted comedy, what I have found works for me personally wasn't really taught much in the schools. It's more just going back to that idea of being a little kid and playing pretend. Because, <laughs> you know, when, you, when you're a kid playing, you know, make-believe and playing pretend, you're so immersed in that world. I mean, you see and hear everything in that world. And so going back to that and going back to those basics actually seems to really work for me. And, and granted, you know, maybe it doesn't work for everybody, but... Well, let's talk about that because that's exactly one of the things that I think is a very important question about training because Mm -hmm. sometimes when you read about these philosophies and 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 these methods it says exactly what you just said that it's just about freedom and being like a kid and making and that sounds great yeah but you know the other side of it is you know people will tell you First of all, casting directors and everybody want actors to have a lot of training, yeah. number one. And then, you know, the the idea of just playing make-believe is great, but then it comes to the actual physical and vocal and right. technical yeah. training and abilities. So, so what are your thoughts on that or how were you trained as far as that? I mean, isn't there a – doesn't there have to be a second step? Like, yes, you can – be doing make-believe in your right. imagination, right. but then you have to get it out in a presentable yeah. Yeah. way, yeah. right? And, that, and that's where some of the, the, the you know, training can, <clears throat> can teach you how to take kind of those basic tools and really like hone them in and, fo- you know, focus in and, and kind of bring all that together. And, and of course, you know, things like voice and speech, I mean, especially if you're doing theater, that's very important. I mean, you need to learn how to project your voice loud enough that the people in the back row can hear for people like me who tend to speak fast and mumble you learn how to enunciate properly so people can understand what you're saying which isn't quite so important with film and tv um obviously the projection you don't have to worry about because the microphone's going to pick it up Um, enunciation you don't have to enunciate quite as crisp and clearly as with theater but you still want that some there are still times that I'll, you know, and I can't, not that I would name names anyway, but I can't, I wouldn't even be able to think about anyone specific. But sometimes you're watching a movie or a TV show and it's like, wait, 
what did they just say? I didn't quite yeah. understand it. Like they were mumbling a bit. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't quite. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So then, that so happens. It, it yeah. still comes into play with film and TV, even though you don't have to worry about speaking loud. Right. You still have to be able to be understood. So that helped out a lot. And then, like with character analysis, that helps out too because, yeah, you're in this world of, of playing make believe, like like being a kid. But at the same time, you learn ways to look at the script and be able to basically, like a detective, pick out those little clues about okay, who is this person? What you know? What are they passionate about? What what are their pet peeves in life? Things like that. And and granted, it's it, it's not necessarily going to all be spelled out for you in the script. But you can, you know, if, if there's a scene where two other characters are talking about your character, even though you're not in the room, what are they saying about you? Because that'll give you a hint of how this character is perceived by other people. And the, you learn, you, you basically learn how to do that. And if, if nothing is obviously stated in the script, then yeah, you, you kind of have to come up with it on your own. But you, you, learn, you learn how to do that. And it's, I guess, the acting world equivalent of kind of psychology and, you know, figuring all those things out and, um, you know, figuring, figuring out how to take what's written in the script and look at that and be able to figure out all these things and essentially be able to put yourself in this other person's shoes by what clues you're given in the script. Right. See, so I always responded well to that part myself. So I totally get all that. Yeah. But I think my difficulty came in that I might think I get it all in my head and I'm thinking and feeling the character. Yeah. But it's not coming out right to the people watching. And, and, and that's why I yeah. ended up deciding to just focus on writing and other things. <laughs> but but so what how do you then what's the training or technique? How do you then take all those things you just figured out about the character? And create it in the concrete, in the actual presentation part of what people see. Right. I I think that, I mean, obviously with auditions, um, you know, you could go maybe go to like a fellow actor friend and get their opinion. But when you're in a show, that's where the director comes into play. Mm -hmm. Because then they can give you the outside view of, you know, what's reading and what's not. And... That's that becomes more of of a discussion between you and the director, and just talking right. about okay, what is going on in this situation? Why why would this person be feeling this way, or thinking this way, or whatever? And so that's more of a collaborative group effort between you and the director, and even you know the the actor that's playing the other character in the scene, and you just kind of talk it all out together as a group. Do you find that you have to? translate the feelings and the conflicts and what's going on into like concrete behaviors because that's the thing that I think people say and what always tripped me up like for example I would say I understand that this character is angry at this other character and I understand why right and then somebody would say to me well you can't play anger and I was like what does that even mean (laughs) So do you, Basically, do you know what, um, what I'm talking about? I, I guess I could give you an example that yeah. might help explain it. Yeah. Um, one of my acting teachers who I, he's such an amazing person. I keep in touch with him to this day from AMDA. Um, he's not just, uh, you know, he wasn't just a teacher. He's a friend and mentor. Um, one thing that he said is he hates it when in a script it says the character cries. Okay. He hates that. And okay. this is why. Because... Um, 
And and with film, it, you know, it could be a little different because you can do take after take after take. Mm-hmm. Granted, you don't want to waste time and money too much. Right. But there's still that leeway there. But but especially for theater, you know, yeah, it says the character starts crying in the script. But when you're doing a live performance, every every performance is going to be different. Every performance is a new moment and a new day. And you as a person is feeling differently that day. And so, you know, he would say that it's, instead of forcing yourself to like quote unquote cry and instead of like fake crying and making it look that way, you know, say, you know, say, say the character's crying in the scene because, you know, we're having an argument, you know, say it's like a a, a engaged couple that's having an argument because someone cheated or I don't know, whatever. Um, and it says that I, I cry because, you know, the guy cheated on me. Well, if in that exact moment, that exact minute in time during that live performance, if I'm feeling angry instead of sad, it's better to go with the anger instead of like fake crying. Because sure. no matter how quote unquote believable your crying on cue is, if it's not real and it's not genuinely felt in your heart, it's the audience is going to pick up on that on some subconscious level. And that's when I think, you know, if you watch watch a movie or watch a live performance and you're thinking, mm, I, I didn't really feel for that character as much as I thought I would. Or, I you know, I feel, you know, they're, they're the hero of the story and I should have sympathized with them, but I didn't. It could be because that actor was not playing to their genuine emotions at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. And so... That's, I think, yeah, if that explains it at all. Well, no, that makes perfect sense. And I've definitely heard that idea that anything genuine is better than some preconceived thing. And, and, you know, going with anger instead of crying, that's still within the world of the context of the situation. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it it still makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you want to still have it make sense and be, you know, one of those emotions that's close enough on the spectrum Mm -hmm. that like it still tells the story properly and whatnot mm-hmm. but but yeah it's i've been told that it's better to just play that genuine emotion because it's going to be a lot more natural and mm-hmm. believable right but what about this idea i don't know if this came up in your training or anything but this idea that that's the emotional side right. and that's good but you you have to play action and right. behaviors, not just emotions. Right. Do you, do you, does that, that make that sense definitely, to you? That definitely yeah. comes up. And yeah. I've, I've actually been one of those actors that sometimes has trouble with that, actually. Yeah. I did, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or it's, yeah. you know, yeah, the la- people ask you, well, what does your character want in this scene? What, right. you know, what is your action verb? What is whatever? And right. sometimes I don't know because it's, I mean, sometimes the scene will just be so straightforward and obvious that, it's like I I feel it and I can't put it into words because right. I just I feel it like right. I, this is just how I naturally feel in this moment. Mm-hmm. And so that's I, I don't know. Yeah, I have a hard time putting that into words myself. No, I get it. Yeah. So it sounds like at the end of the day, you know, everybody has a different background, different training, different yeah. whatever. At the end of the day, if you're working on something 
either it works or it doesn't and the director has to direct you however they want to and it's just you got to go with the flow ultimately yeah yeah and and finding those you know if if you're to find you know those action words or whatnot I mean that's also something that in the rehearsals can be worked on with the director because maybe they'll see something that you're not seeing now bringing material in for an audition that's obviously where it's a little bit trickier because Mm -hmm. you're expected to already have that all figured out right Um, unless unless it's you know a cold read where you're given the script a couple minutes before you go in then obviously you do the best you can yeah. and and just go with it sure yeah okay so and you answered some of this with the script analysis and everything but did you find in general especially not having gotten to do much regular acting before you got to college right. do you find that the training you received made sense to you and and do you still find yourself able to use this training and these techniques in a very concrete way like does that help you whenever you're working on a part or auditioning or whatever like the actual training gives you a a base to work from oh for sure yeah it definitely helped out a lot good good kind of gives you a sense like in a in a road like a road map or something to kind of follow along And, and like i said you know with the training it's Everybody does end up, because we're individual human beings, we all end up kind of with our own routine and our own thing that works for us. But it is nice to have been shown, you know, this plethora of tools to choose from Mm -hmm. and to know how to use them and find what works for you. Yeah, it was definitely helpful. Good, good. For sure. And was AMDA the kind of school where... And you were there for four years or two years? Two years. Two years. And during the two years, were you able to or asked to actually do plays and things? Or was it all just classwork and they didn't want you doing, you know, actual plays or anything to last? Like outside of the school? No, in the school. In the school. Um, We didn't do any full-length plays until our last semester when we had like our showcase performances. Okay. And that's when we did more like full length type of stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. And since you mentioned though, in terms of outside, did they discourage you from taking outside work? They or? they did. I yeah. um I don't know if the what the ruling is now because they do now they do have a four year program as well where you can mm-hmm. get an actual degree and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. But when I went there, it was just the two years. Um, but their ruling was for the first three semesters, you're not allowed to take professional work. If you do, you could be essentially kicked out of the school, which I think one one kid that was there when, when I was there um, who's in the musical theater, I think he booked like a Broadway tour or something like that. So like, of course he's going to take it and I just mean, ditch school because it's a Broadway tour. <laughs> yeah, I can understand like maybe their academic reason for a rule like that, but I don't know. Why do you think they care about that? I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's just that they... Whether they they don't want you know what they're teaching to be um, hindered in any way by like what the director you know if the director of whatever project they're working on has a different view of like well this is how it's supposed to be done or whatever I don't know I don't know if they they <laughs> don't want have you to, to stay you in your in fine. your training yeah. or whatnot I, it, yep. probably just they want you to finish your schooling and get your training in so that you have the proper tools to know what you want gotcha. I was lucky the the one paid thing that I had fell right in the weekend between my finals for third semester and the start of fourth semester. So the fact that my finals had like officially ended like 24 hours beforehand, 
I was in the clear. Oh, that's cool. So that worked out that perfect. Works. That's a good way to, <laughs> to finish school and start something else. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't normally use, but do you mind if we take a five-second break? Let's do it, yeah. Thank you. Those of you listening, you won't notice anything, but we're just pausing the recording for a moment. Thanks. Yes, okay. And we're back. <laughs> Obviously, it's seamless for those of you listening. Sorry, we are back. Anyway, okay. Um, so, great. So, you graduate, and yep. you said that you actually got some work right away after yep. that? Yep. And what was that? That was actually um, for New York Fashion Week oh. for Kleinfeld's Bridal. Um, before each type of bride, they wanted to do, like, a fun little entertainment skit thing. Mm-hmm. So, before the Uptown Bride, they wanted to recreate the moment from the show Sex and the City when Carrie Bradshaw is doing a runway show and falls on the runway. Okay. And since I look so much like Sarah Jessica Parker, <laughs> I got the part. So I got paid. But are you saying that sarcastically or you really think you No, I I right really there? think so. I've I've had you know, even working at part-time jobs, I've had foreign tourists who barely speak a word of English, but managed to get across that I, I look like Sarah you. Jessica I, Parker. I, I have to be honest, I don't really see it. I think I think it's the profile, it's the nose. Maybe, okay. <laughs> I believe but, you. I but just, yes, yeah. I, I got I got a part playing, you know, recreating Carrie Bradshaw and Sarah so Jessica Parker. That so that must have, that sounds fun. That was a lot of fun, yeah. yeah. And that's exciting, doing it in uh, fashion week. Oh yeah, the big, the big really kahuna, fun. like Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. Yeah. And then, so at this point, though, are you basically already, you know, do you kind of have your plan set as far as, so now you just start auditioning all the time and so forth? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the one thing that I wish that they did teach at AMDA, that they didn't, at least not, you know, back then anyway, is the business side of things and how to market yourself. Exactly. That I, I feel like I'm just getting a handle on now. <laughs> No, that's another reason. Quite some time. That's another thing I want to talk about on this podcast because yeah. I, I had the exact same problem. Yeah, I, I, I had no clue about the business. Yeah, for pretty much most of the time I was even trying to do it. So yeah. believe me, yeah. I understand. Yeah. There wasn't much of a plan, and yeah. and two, what was happening when I graduated AMDA was, you know, here here you are, first trying to find your footing as like, you know, a twenty year old in New York City living on your own. You know, you're just figuring out this whole adulting thing. Yes. <laughs> then you're trying to find your grounding in the professional acting world and yeah. how do I do this yeah. while the ground is shifting from under you. And what I mean is I graduated right on the cusp of when things were being taken to, you know, from, you know, your actual headshot and resume and sending it in the mail for Excuse acting me. jobs yep. switching from that to everything being digital it was oh, right right at that it was point. right in the mess of everything kind of starting to switch gears but like some things are still the actual physical headshot and resume for the audition and some things aren't yeah. and, and you know these these acting websites that i'm on now I, one or two of them might not have even existed backstage was not even online yet you had to pick up that paper from sure. the newsstand once a week on thursday and oh, yeah. Literally sit there like any other paper with the want ads and circle the ones you're interested in. And <laughs> half of those were email your headshot and resume. Half of them were send it in the mail, snail mail. Yeah. So, you know, you're trying to find your grounding and trying to find your footing on ground that's in the process of shifting. It was very difficult. And then, of course, not even knowing how to be a business person and brand myself as a product. It's, yeah. you know, they, they touched yeah. on the fact and, and mentioned the fact that that is a thing, but they didn't explain at all on how to do that 
you're absolutely right that, yeah. that conservatories and places really should they should give you some of that of yeah. course yeah okay so you kind of start figuring it out you start auditioning yeah. you start doing whatever and then you know what starts to happen what are, are you already even during school working random day jobs or do you start I, day jobs I wasn't after? I wasn't okay. I started my day job I think I started training like the a few days before my official graduation. Mm -hmm. So luckily I'd found a job essentially right off the bat. Okay. So I wouldn't necessarily have to worry too, too much about rent. Right. I did not, however, have an apartment right away. Mm -hmm. So oh, I, did you live in school provided school housing? School provided the whole housing, time? yeah, okay. which was really nice. Um but then, you know, I graduated and that very day we had to move out of the dorms because the people that were doing the summer semester were moving in. So I'm moving my stuff Amazing. out at the same time that this guy's moving his stuff into Congratulations. my Congratulations. Get the heck Get out. Get the heck out. Yeah. And so since I did not have an apartment, but I already had a part-time job, so obviously I'm going to stay here in the city. I'm not going to take yeah. any time off. Yeah. I um, reached out and um, was able to find someone who let me crash on, on the floor of his bedroom. Wow. Someone who else had gone to the conservatory and sure. graduated a year before me. Sure. So I crashed on his floor for about three weeks until I found my own place. <laughs> so that was that was a bit of an adventure. <laughs> and then, I mean, yeah, and I'm sure, you know, the school provided housing at least gave you something while you were there. Yeah. You know, but... In one of the nicest neighborhoods of New York City. Was so it? then you're spoiled, too, because... You're thinking, oh, this is what I was going to say, transitioning to renting your own New York City apartment. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't imagine the, the culture shock of that's, that. That's a whole other story. Yeah, indeed, <laughs> sure. All right, but you figure it out. You're doing your thing, your day job. You start auditioning. And at that point, I mean, are you already full on like, yes, I am going to be an actress? Oh, yeah. Awesome. For sure. All right, cool. Yep. And then over the years, so what, you know... What are some highlights, you know, from things you've done so far? What what was the first gig that you were really excited about? Or what, what comes to mind as far as, you know, things oh, that gosh. happened after that? <laughs> I, I don't know if I can remember back to yeah. some of the some yeah. of the first or, or more some of the recent. Yeah. More more recent. Um gosh, I've had quite a few roles recently that I just absolutely loved. Um, one was in a play called Enchanted April. Mm -hmm. which um, I will explain this. Not a lot of people know the story, so I'll kind of give a, no, a brief description. Mm -hmm. um, set um, in the years after World War One, these four ladies of varying ages and, and classes in society, they all need to just get away, whether to rediscover something about themselves or reevaluate their lives. You know, they, they just need... They just need some time to themselves to just get away. And so they rent a castle in Italy for a month in April. And I played Lady Caroline Bramble. I can still pull out the British accent a little bit. Um, she was basically that version, you know, the 19... So I'm sorry, the characters in the play are from England? From England. Okay. I, I played the high society rich party girl. It's, it's even mentioned in the play that she was talked about in the papers for dancing on tables in Paris. So this is like your wild tabloid grabbing, you know, like party girl. Um, so, you know, so of course you're thinking at first, she's just some rich snob who's out partying all the time. But then you learn throughout the play that she secretly married this guy before he was shipped off to fight in World War One, and he died. And so here she is. She's got no one to turn to, to, to grieve to her parents. She's definitely not close with her parents by any means. And so it's not that she's a 
wild party girl, she's an alcoholic and she's trying to cope with the loss of her husband with literally no one to talk to and no one to confide in. And so a character like that was so much fun because there was so much, there's so many onion layers to peel back sure. and so much to play with as an artist that that was a lot of fun. Excellent. Yeah. And where did you do that play? That was actually at an off-off-Broadway theater that is in the church where I'm a member of. Oh, perfect. <laughs> it's a really great um, theater space, and they do, they've do they done, like, equity showcases there, um, great plays, staged readings. Um, so that was, yeah, that was really cool. You know, it may not have been, you know, this paid gig in this super prestigious off-Broadway theater, but... It was one of those things that came together where every cast member, the director, the script itself, everything came together for something magical and just that's, that's how it's supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, right? yeah. Just one of the one of those things where you can't describe it other than yeah, magical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've definitely had productions like that. Yeah. Beautiful. All yeah. right. Uh cool. Any other recent highlights you want to yes. talk about? Yes. Um, a play that I did last month, actually. Um, it was part of a, a new play festival um, over at the Hudson Guild Theater, and um, more a lot more dark. I played Catherine, who backstory um, she her and her lover had been attacked. He was killed. She was left for dead. So this is fast forward several years later when the accused are set to get the death penalty, and so it's that like you know, the hours leading up to the execution. And so my family's gathering. The um, the widow of my lover is here because he had been having an affair. And I had been having an affair. And so my husband's there and everything. And um, there are some twists and turns in the plot. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where everyone gathers together and the family crap hits the fan. Mm -hmm. All the family drama you know, the can of worms is open up and everything, um, all the, all that comes to light and um, all the family drama ensues. Um, but my character is on stage the entire time. But because of my injuries and what I went through, I am kept doped up on morph morphine most of the time. Wow. And when the morphine wears off, I'm having like psychotic breakdowns as I'm like reliving okay. the whole thing. Yeah. So that was intense because you're going like zero to 60. <laughs> so this is, let's talk about it. Because this is a very yeah. specific type of acting challenge. Yeah. The yeah. drug part and the yeah. psychotic break part. Yeah. Because you want to do it right. You want to yeah. do it realistically. You don't yeah. want to be playing some idea or some cliche. Right. So how did you approach that? Did you do research or? I, I actually didn't do research. I'm, you know, there's sometimes you do research for a play. This, this I did not. Okay. Um, I had found in the initial audition where the audition was just doing one of these breakdowns. Mm -hmm. um, oh, okay. And it wasn't something I could prepare for because I'm right. just repeating the name of my lover over and over and over again. Okay. The rest of it is physical. Gotcha. So luckily they had another actor in the room doing the scene with me. I had someone else to work with, which was really great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I couldn't prepare for it. So obviously I was very nervous because I felt very unprepared. But... In a breakdown moment like that, I have found, you know, I've, I've learned and found a way to use my nerves to the advantage. This is one of those situations you don't have to control your nerves at all. You can be as nervous as you can. In fact, that, you know, at least in that audition, it led to real tears coming out because you can just let yourself wow. feel all of those nerves and the, you know, being scared and everything. That's a way to, to use it to your advantage. 
and and channel it in the proper way. That's um, great. But yeah, I, I didn't really do a lot of research into this character. It was more just, um, you know, on the, on the times when I was out of it on morphine, you know, remembering back to I had surgery. I was, you know, had the morphine drip in the hospital and, and remembering just how. You're saying you in real life. Me in real life. Oh, so you're using I that memory. Life, yeah, okay, um, great. That, that memory and then the memory of um, just times even when you're just, you're super sick with the flu or something and you're just, you're out of it. Yeah. You're like zoned out. You're yeah. kind of, you know, just kind of thinking back to all those things and, okay, remember what it feels like. Oh, yeah, this is how it feels like. This is, you know you know, concentrating on letting all your limbs kind of just go limp and fall where they may. Um, and when you're, you know, when my fellow actors were leading me, you know, to go over to sit in this chair or walk over here or whatever, um, letting my legs do all the work, mm. um, letting the upper body kind of just be like, like jello and kind of, I guess kind of, you know, thinking about even like the scarecrow in the wizard of Oz because mm-hmm. his limbs and everything, they're dangling yeah. all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, his legs are in full enough control that right. he's still, walking to where he needs to go or whatever Mm -hmm. so it's yeah just kind of letting my legs do the work and the physicality of that and then for the breakdown moments I mean it really is you know just kind of sitting and thinking about okay what would that have been like you know thinking about this attacker stabbing me as many times as it doesn't say how many times but you know what I mean like it's clear from what is said that like obviously a knife is involved obviously it was stabbed a lot you know and really just sitting and thinking about okay what would it actually be like as scary as that sounds it's sitting and thinking about actually what would it feel like what would it be like to live through something like that yeah and you know you really sit and kind of put yourself in that person's shoes of oh my gosh like how traumatic of an event is that how what is that like and then you know during the play as I'm my character is coming out of the morphine haze and into the psychotic breakdown that's when you start you know, you let yourself kind of stop zoning out <laughs> and, you know, really kind of notice, you know, paying attention to where you're actually at. And, um, and yeah, you just, you kind of, it's like, you're just almost like doing that kind of exercise in a sense again of, okay, what was it like to live through the situation? You know, remember, you know, thinking about, you know, seeing the knife plunge in your own flesh, as disgusting as that sounds. Um, but yeah, it's, you kind of, your character is reliving it all over again. And then you as an actor are kind of not reliving it because you didn't go through it yourself, but you know what I mean? You're kind of at, just like your character in a sense, you are kind of reliving it over and over again. Um, of course, you have to use you, whatever yeah. substitutions you can. Yeah. You're not going to actually get stabbed exactly. for this role. Exactly. But no, that all makes sense. And you just illustrated yeah. all different aspects of technique. The physical yeah. aspect, the the mental uh, memory and substitution aspect. Yeah. No, that was perfect. That's yeah. a great example of of how an actor prepares for a role. So and that's then, awesome. And then there's the tiny added technical challenge of when you're out of it on morphine, Yes, be zoned out, but to a point, because you still have to listen for your cue lines for when things happen. Well, yeah, of course. So so it's like, yeah, zone out, but not too much. You still got to pay attention a little bit to what's going on. Well, and it's a bit of a variation on, you know, if an actor has to play drunk, that yeah. is so hard, Yeah, I think. And yeah. that's a whole other topic, but... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so very cool. That's great. Yeah. So that sounds like a very, uh, very uh, fulfilling role. It was, yeah. It was yeah. very fulfilling. It was really awesome. Um, I know there the 
writer and director are working on trying to get that <clears throat> picked up to be put on at another theater. Oh, so great. hopefully, hopefully that will come to fruition Absolutely. at some point. Absolutely, I hope future. so. Yeah. All right. Any other recent or other highlights from your career so far? You wanna? Um, you feel like delving into? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't think of anything else per se. Well, that's okay. Um, I think I think the other highlight is probably just in the last recent year or so, um, especially over the last year, it's been nonstop. As soon as um, performances for one play, <coughs> excuse me, my throat is so dry. Um, as soon as performances for one play end, rehearsals for the next one have begun. Amazing. So it's been pretty nonstop for the last year. Good so that you. in That's itself has great. been a major highlight for sure. Killer. Let's see if so, I have a cough drop in the meantime while you're... Yeah. <laughs> so that's a good, actually a good segue to a question, which is, I assume that a lot of these plays and things you do uh, are non-paying. A, a lot of them are non-paying yeah. or they do pay a little bit at the end, but... Right, a stipend or something. Right, but it's, it's not a lot. So do you have any... <laughs> rules for yourself because again this is another thing that actors have to constantly deal with do you have any rules for yourself about you know criteria for what you'll accept if it doesn't pay or are you kind of happy to do i don't mean that's in a bad way but are you happy to do any work even if it doesn't pay no there's i've, I've definitely got you know when you're first starting out of course you're going to do Anything and everything you can get your hands on, which yeah. as you should, yeah, just to get the you know the experience and the right. you know work on the resume. Right. Um, but at this point, yes, I need to be able to get something out of it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, you know, if it pays, great, that's already something I'm getting out of it. Right. Um, but if it doesn't pay, then either something that will look really good on the resume, whether it's a really prestigious off Broadway venue right. that everybody knows, right. Or, um, or if it's something like, you know, the, the play that I was just describing with, you know, playing this character who's, you know, on morphine and then having psychotic breakdowns. I mean, that's something that, you know, if I walk into an audition room and the casting director says, oh, tell me about this character and I explain the character, then yeah, it's going to be something that sounds really, um, how do I, how do I want to describe it? I it mean, something, something impressive. very, it, was it sounds, yeah, yeah, it sounds impressive. And yeah. so. There's got to be that something out of it, whether it's the venue is impressive, the character that you played is impressive, mm -hmm. or, um, or you know, you're getting paid. And I would assume, especially in the case of a role like that, the fulfillment of the role itself, because it oh, sounds yeah. like a great opportunity oh, for yeah. an actor. Yeah. yeah. There's the business side of it. What am I getting out of it right. on the business side of it? And then as an artist, exactly. obviously a role like that is going to be very fulfilling exactly. as an artist. Exactly. <laughs> And speaking of that kind of stuff with off-off-Broadway theater, I'm glad to hear these cool plays are being produced. You know, I, I was having trouble, you know, when I was still trying to do stuff, you know, figuring out kind of what off-off-Broadway productions were really going to be good and not and worth doing and not, and that's a whole other thing. But, you know, one aspect of it, and I'd like to know your experience, if any, with this, I was getting very tired of not only were we the actors in the play and not getting paid, but they acted like it was also our responsibility to fill the seats. 
That's yeah. And that's it's that's like, still kind of and thing. it's like yeah. You're not paying me as an actor, and I'm supposed to be your publicity and marketing person yeah. too. That yeah. really angered me, to be yeah. honest. You know, if you're trying to be a theater company, then you got to figure out the marketing aspect too. If yeah. you're just counting on the actors' friends to be your whole audience, come on. Yeah, well, that's what, tell me that's what still, do you think about that's still that? kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the two plays that I was talking about, they you know they did publicity on their own as well. Um, so you know some some of it is you know the whether it's whoever owns the theater and and they you know. Um, promote their own stuff or like the specific director that's renting the space is promoting it themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, some of these shows you're not, you know, the only sole person that they're relying on to bring in an audience yeah. The you know, some of them, they, they will promote um, mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, some of them, it is just, you know, it's only going to be your friends and family in the audience and, and that's it. And, of course that can be tough because, you know, for a lot of us, our family aren't here in the city and if they can't, afford to take a trip to New York City right now, they're not going to be able to come well, see it. Well, not only that, but, you know, even if they love you, how many things do you really yeah. expect them to come yeah. see? And to sit there realizing they're the only people there. Yeah. It, it, just, it just, it's very disheartening. It's, I yeah. find it to be very frustrating. It's, it's one difficult. of the reasons I thought at the time about, okay, I'm not going to do stage anymore. I'm right. just going to do camera because then a product exists yeah. independently. Yeah. But to 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 be performing a play for an almost empty house or a house yeah. filled with just people you know, it, it, it just kind of feels like, what's the point almost? It, yeah, sadly. It, sadly. It, yeah. It, it really sucks, you know, especially yeah. with, with some of these plays that I love so much and, yeah. you know, it's... The, the story and the acting and everything is so brilliant. You want everyone to see it. Right. And, yeah, it can be tough if you're not bringing in the the audience. It's, yeah, for sure. It's, yeah. It kind of sucks. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. And, I mean, I guess it's a whole other topic of how these companies are supposed to function. And yeah. if there is a market out there for random strangers to want to come see some off-off-Broadway show, I, I would hope so, especially yeah. in New York. But I, I mean, the one thing I can think of that maybe might help is – like putting it up on TKTS mm -hmm. because I've, you know, standing right there promoting, you know, these big Broadway shows like Chicago at TKTS and just talking with tourists, you know, I'll get talking about any show in general, just cause it's fun to talk shop with, you know, yeah. really cool people from around the world. Yeah. Um, but I've totally seen where, you know, even with the discount, either they don't have the money or they've already seen all the shows that they're interested in as far as like Broadway goes then, yeah, I've seen plenty of tourists that will look at the off-Broadway list and right. think, oh, well, I've not heard of this. What is this? Or what is this about? What is that about? Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, you know, an off-off-Broadway venue, I mean, the, the tickets are already cheap enough as it is. Yeah. You don't necessarily need them discounted at TKTS. Right. But I think even just having it there on the board, even if you're only giving like a 10% discount or yeah. something, I don't know, just yeah. I think having that visualization and I mean, that's, that's how people are going to, they're going to see the name there and, and yeah, they're possibly going to be interested in going to see it. I I'll think that helps you, a lot. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. Um, I'll tell you one story that speaks not only to the, the sadness of this kind of thing, but also how naive I was. Um, I was involved for a long time in improv and comedy stuff and, and, uh, not only for the improv shows, but also sort of the, at one point. 
Um, I actually got to do this little one-man show thing, just a quick little thing as part of this comedy theater I was involved with. Anyway, the point being, I got them to list it in the theater listings of Time Out New York. Oh, nice. And I naively thought that just because it was in Time Out New York Mm -hmm. and because of what it was, that people would see it, get excited, and lots of people would come. Nobody right. came. Nobody came. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, but it was in time out. Like, I, I think cares. it's I think it's fair to, to hope that it would help yes. for sure. Yes. I think that's that's yes. fair enough, but But anyway. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you though as an actor uh, still find a different level of fulfillment or of the immediacy of the experience acting on stage versus on camera? Yeah, 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 I think so. I mean, I I do love both equally. Do you? Yeah. I just happen to be called in for auditions for theater more often, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's just kind of how it's all played itself out. But I do pursue both evenly, and I I do enjoy film and TV work as well. It's they're they're different, of course, but at the same time, it's still the same thing for me in a sense because I'm still bringing this character to life. I'm telling their story. So they're they're in that sense they're equally fulfilling. That's for sure. great. Obviously, I think that is the way an actor has to look at it. Yep. Now we mentioned about whether it pays or not, and hopefully there's an audience and all that. But even beyond that, when you're doing these off off Broadway productions, I think another concern actors legitimately have to have is the level of professionalism in terms oh, yeah. of how it's actually run, yep. how it's organized, et cetera, et cetera. Have you, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Have you had experiences where something really just was not professionally dealt with, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. There are definitely those experiences where where it's not run with any sort of professionalism whatsoever. And what would some examples of that be? Like, what are some things um, that an actor needs the production to have in order for it to feel professional? I mean, one, I'll give you an example of one that just, I mean, it would seem like common sense, um, but it was a, like a sketch comedy show and, you know, it was different like five, ten minute little skits throughout mm-hmm. and, you know, I was in quite a few of them. Those things can be a lot of fun, but we didn't have, the, like it, here it came time to, you know, curtains up we still don't have the order of the show in which the sketches are performing. Really? Wow. It was terrible. So we all just kind of, you know, or we didn't really have a backstage area in this place because it's a place that where normally like stand-up comedy is done. Was, so it wasn't was like the a, whole thing directed by the same person? Yep. It was the same one and person. Nobody and nobody said, excuse me, what's the order? <laughs> well, we kept asking him and it's like, oh, yeah, I'll get it to you. I'll get it to you. I'll wow. get it to you. And here it is. It's okay. showtime. So we're all sitting out there with the audience because there's not really a backstage area. And it's oh. it's a pretty prestigious, it's a really prestigious, like, stand-up comedy place. Yeah. So, like, the venue itself I was know, prestigious. but I know what you're talking about. The lines get blurred with this yeah. stuff, and it's yeah. a problem. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and so, yeah, we're all sitting there kind of just looking at each other like, um, <laughs> we can't find our director. He, like, stepped out from it. I don't know whether he, he went to use the restroom or whatever, oh but we can't even find the director, so we can't even ask him, oh, hey. What so, we- obviously, you hadn't had any kind of, like, tech rehearsal with transitions no, or anything No, no. So, oh, we all just kind of had to improvise it, and it's like, okay, or you Which one of the sketches out, is ready to go first? You Let's figured just go. out the order on your own? We just kind of did it ourselves, yeah. And then did you guys end up confronting the director? What happened? Well, he, like, finally showed up from wherever he had stepped out to and just kind of took over from there, from where we had started from. But 
Yeah, that was really okay, that's bad. A, that's a very good example. That's really bad. Ridiculous unprofessionalism, and, and, yes. You know, <laughs> a lot of the times, especially when you're first starting out in the business, you don't necessarily know which directors or venues or whatever are good and, and bad. and You know what I mean? Like, you don't necessarily know what the reputation of some of these you right. know, That's people what I'm, I'm are going to be. About. Yeah, exactly. Um, then it does get to the point where... You just you, you just learn from from living here. Like there's there's one that I know for sure. The sketch comedy show is not. It's very poor quality. Not because I was in it, but because the guy I was dating at the time was in it, mm-hmm. and I went to see him perform. And so it's you know a lot of that is just it's kind of just life experience, yeah. and you learn as you go. And sometimes, um, like I've even done it with like a regional theater company, where you know nowadays you Google it. Sometimes you can see reviews on there of, you know, either other actors or, or whatever, or, you know, that, oh, hey, this is a scam, or, oh, hey, this is, you know, it's, they were very disrespectful towards women and minorities, or whatever. I mean, you see all sorts of things. And so, you know, now, too, you can do the research a little bit ahead of time. Um, That's good. With that. But not always. Not always, right. you know, things are not always going to pop up on Google. And so, you know, you'll look at it and... You know, it seems off the bat from the casting notice, it'll seem like something that's, you know, a, a good quality or at least decent quality and, and professionally run. And then it's not until you're actually in it that you realize. And for me, I'll, I'll usually just stick with it because I don't want to let down my fellow actors and be quitting last minute and then leaving them in the lurch with, well, now we're going to be unprepared because we have a, a, either a new person in this role or we don't have a person in this role or what are we going to do? I'm not going to do that to my fellow actors. So oh, yeah, if I'm in a show and it's not as good of quality, at least I'm, I'm doing something and I can still work on my craft and do my best anyway in the performance and, and also be there for my fellow actors and, and not again, leave them that, in the lurch. And that speaks to that you really are an actor because that really is the actor mentality you have to yeah. have. I once went to see a friend in a show well, almost did. <laughs> I'll explain. It was at one of these midtown theaters. Uh, I think it was. Uh, I think it was like some horror Dracula thing, oh, whatever geez. it was. And I think it was a Saturday or a Sunday matinee, like two o'clock. And I go in. I, I had paid for a ticket, and I went in. I'm sitting there, pretty empty. The house mm. is pretty empty, but I'm sitting there. Okay. I see some crew guy or the director, whoever, walking back and forth. 2 o'clock, 2.05, 2.10, nothing's happening. No announcement, no nothing. I'm looking around. The few other people in the audience are just sitting there. 2.20. Literally, I think like 25 minutes. Finally, I said to the guy, he walked back and excuse me, what's going on? Yeah. Oh, well, we know we have a few more audience members coming, so we're holding. Oh, jeez. And I said, nope. And I left. And I texted yeah. her and I said, I'm sorry. This is She's like, no, you're absolutely right. He's an idiot. I cannot believe they did that to us and to you. I'm so sorry. Like, really? Yeah. Come on. That's, yeah, that's bad. That's really bad. And that's not fair to, to those in the audience to that paid anybody. for their ticket to, you know. Yeah. Oh, there's so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, right, there are so many stories. <laughs> so have you done any further training beyond AMDA or have you just been working? I've, um, what I've done since then is um, a lot of kind of sporadic workshops here and there. There's a lot of um, anyone, anybody in the business knows the quote unquote pay to play. 
thing that happens, thing, the whole right. other thing. Yeah, um, we should talk about that. Yeah. But I'm sorry, that's what you did say earlier that you go to workshops and classes. Yeah, and, and, and they can, you know, on the one hand, it kind of sucks that it's a thing, but on the other hand, you can learn some because you're going to get feedback from the casting director. You're or talking agent, about like the Actors Connection seminar. Actors and Connection. Like um, that. Actors yeah. Launchpad is anyone that's come out, and I've, right. I've done that. And like I said, in a way, like it does kind of suck that you have to pay to like meet these people. But on the other hand, you can get a lot out of it. I mean, at least a you're you're putting yourself out there in front of this person. They can start to put your face and your name together, even if they don't remember a week from now. If you keep, you know, maybe if you keep going to workshops with that same person, then you'll they'll start to remember you. And you can get, you know, it's nice to get some feedback. And yeah, you know, you might have one casting director that loves your headshot and the next one hates it. Granted, because we're all individuals and we all have differing opinions, but it's nice to get varying opinions on like your monologue or your scene or whatever. And, and you can kind of see, you know, okay, what does need to be changed? What, you know, if you're getting the same note over and over again, obviously that's something that should be changed. Um, so I, I think you can, you know, get something out of those. It's a great way to, to work material in front of someone in the industry and get some feedback and, yeah, so this is actually a good segue to talk about these kind of things in general. So for those listening who may be new or not familiar with this, what we're talking about is there's places, uh, Actors Connection is a big one. You mentioned Actors Launchpad. Yep. I don't know that one, but similar, I assume. Basically, you can go on their website and see everything. It's their classes and, and seminars where you do pay. It's not much usually for the individual seminars, like 30 bucks or something. And it's a, it's a one-time class with an agent or a casting director or somebody, and they do a lecture, a Q&A, and you get to do a little side or script or something for them, and then they give you feedback. You know, they specifically says that it is a class, it is not an audition. You know, you can you get called in from something like that? Sure. But it's not, you know, it's not, it's not the purpose of it. Um, and as, and as um, she was saying, you get feedback. Um, so yes, if it's a legitimate professional place like Actors Connection and you're seeing it as a tool and as a learning opportunity and a practice opportunity, I, I would agree that it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. But that brings up a good general topic because there are some, as you said, pay to play things out there that relate more to the, the play festivals and this comedy stuff we were alluding to earlier that seem to be more of a scam, sadly. Yeah. Where the actors, you know, you quote unquote audition, but you end up having to pay to be a part of this membership company or whatever they call yeah. it. And you're basically paying for the opportunity to work. And it's not like a class setting or anything like that. So I, I personally don't think that's, you know, appropriate. What do you think? I, yeah, my experience with those kind of things, you know, paying to be like in a showcase and you meet industry right. or whatever. Right. And, um, I mean, granted, you know, it's, I don't know how much the company can <coughs> control this, but a lot of times the agents and casting directors that I meet there, they seem like they don't want to be there. Like maybe they're just there because they're, you know, cause of course they're going to get paid on their end, yeah. obviously, because it's, you know, I guess kind of a job for them or whatever, yeah. but but they just seem like they don't want to be there. And and granted, like, I'll give leeway to people like, you know, if you're just if you're having a bad day and like you have to go because like you're obligated to go. You said you'd be there and you're having a bad day. That's fine. I understand. We're all human beings. 
you know, but it is kind of disappointing to, you know, you're, you're told you get to, you know, meet these people and then you go to say hello to them after the show and they're just kind of like, oh, hi. And then they immediately just turn their face away and like, don't even want to talk to you. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of tough. And it's, it also is difficult. Uh, well, not difficult, but it's just, it kind of sucks that the only way sometimes to meet these people is to have to pay. You you can't just call up and book an, an audition time with them or you can't, you know, you can't just meet them for coffee or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the fact that they're, they seem to be in this unattainable Right. world of their own right. and the only chance you get to speak right. to these human beings right. is if you pay and it's not their fault it's, it's just and, yeah the their, the their schedules are busy yeah. their schedules are busy i yeah. get it it's it's just kind of you know it's kind of hard on this end to very much because so. you know yeah you're only paying 30 40 bucks but when you're doing that class after class after oh class, absolutely after class, it adds up and frankly you know actors connection and places like that they're not doing anything wrong but this is a business model for them this is yeah. how they're making yeah. money but but you're, this speaks to the broader issue again that actors yeah. have to deal with of how do you get to that next level? How, how do you get how do you an get, agent? Yeah. How do you get in front of real casting directors? And you, know, you have so to be difficult. in things. You have to get them to come yeah. see you in something. But and, how do they even know who my, you are? In you my know? experience, you know, with with um with doing off off Broadway shows and and things, even if you know the director or the writer of the script, whatever, even if they do have some connections, I've never seen. I've never at any of my shows. I don't think I've ever had an industry show up yeah. ever. Nobody ever shows up to these things. It's tough. They say, oh, yeah, we'll go to Broadway shows. We'll go to showcases. And then they never show up. And like I said, I do understand that, like, we're human beings. You have a busy schedule. And especially if if they have, like, kids at home or things like that. I do understand that, obviously. But but it's tough because you want to be seen by these people. But... Everyone's lives are just so busy, yeah, and it's, it's very tough. And yeah. there's no simple, you know, solution or answer. And and then there's the realm of networking, <laughs> right? Which is a whole other thing. You know, they some you know some companies will put on networking events. At least they have in the. I think I think the one I used to go to was through Actors Connection. It was mm-hmm. like a once a month. You meet at a bar. They right. you know rent out like the whole second floor or whatever. Right. That doesn't go so well either. <laughs> I have to assume not, just because I would assume, first of all, there's probably a ton of people there, and everybody's trying to get in front of whoever, and these people are probably being bombarded with random... Like, it just seems like a very bad way to do it. Plus, it's, if it's a bar and there's alcohol involved... Oh, I just, yeah. I don't imagine this this going well it's, for anybody. It's, it's not. <laughs> and so, and so then, there's, then there's the question of how do you network? Because, you know... On the one hand, you have to build up some sort of friendly rapport with these people and right. kind of become friends with them in a sense. Right. But how do you meet them? I mean, I've you know I've heard stories about you know people finding out where the favorite restaurant of these people are, where they love to go get coffee and things. I'm not going to stalk these people. I was going to say that's called stalking. I'm sorry, but I'm yes. not going to stalk these no. people. And that's not right. That's not going to work for you either. Exactly. And so then it's the question of well. How do I just meet with these people as, you know, kind of outside the business in a sense where, you know, you're getting to know them more on a friend to friend, like a person to person friendly right. basis. Right. Um, and one thing that I've started learning how to do recently is using social media to your advantage with yes. that. Facebook, obviously a little more difficult because you have to send a friend request, but Twitter is really amazing for that because you can just click follow and start following that person. And if you start commenting on their posts and sharing their posts and, and things like that. I've, 
have learned how that can build up that rapport that's outside of the business. You know, if you're commenting on each other's cute kitten videos or something, you know, it's a way to connect with these people on a human level that's outside of the business, but a way for them to start putting those pieces together of your name and your face together and who you are. So I've, I've been learning how and taking, you know, seminars and stuff on how to use social media as a way to genuinely connect and network with these people. Right. So this is exactly what I wanted to talk about in this last uh, section. So perfect segue. That's exactly right. You know, the internet has certainly made it a lot easier in a sense, not only in terms of all that social media, but also you can post clips, reels, YouTube stuff, create your own content, and they can see this online. So that's great too. But in terms of the social media connecting, You know, as you said, you have to be careful because there is that line of professionalism. Right. Right. So, you know, how do you navigate that? And obviously they have the responsibility of setting their own limits. You know, if they accept you as a friend on Facebook or a follower on Instagram or whatever it is, (laughs) um, then that's up to them to decide their boundaries on that. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tough world in that sense, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's it can be tough, but. And, you know, too, the great thing about social media is it's a great way for me to get out word to <coughs> even just everyone I know that, oh, hey, I'm going to be in this play. You know, it's a great exactly. way to self, self-promote self to exactly. even if it's, you know, acquaintances that you don't really know all that well. You don't see them in your day to day life, but they are, you know, fellow actors or whatever. And they think, oh, well, this does sound like a really interesting show. Yes. Yeah, I've not talked to this person in a little while, but. That does sound like a really cool show. I want to go see that anyway. So it can be a great way to, you know, promote what you're in and, you know, Mm -hmm. doing your own content, like all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not a partier, so I don't have to worry about like drunken photos of me like ending up on social media. Um, But yeah, I think where that probably comes most into play is the political climate of our country right now. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where that could maybe ruffle some feathers if, you know, you post something, you know, very strongly opinionated and if they have a differing view and take offense to it. So I think, I think a way to regulate that anyway is to take a deep, you know, if your, if your blood is boiling over something, take a deep breath before you post anything on social media. And again, it's that question of, you know, maybe you can have a separate account that's just for your professional stuff, but you have to understand you yeah. know, what lines are you willing to cross. And yeah. then that's your choice. And yeah. there may be consequences. Yeah, you know, yeah. Right? There, of course there is that option too to have separate yeah. separate accounts as yeah. well. I've not done that yet just because <laughs> for me that's just too much to keep track of. Yeah. No, I understand. <laughs> um, so how else do you find your own auditions? Do you use, I assume, the good thing is so people know there are a lot of good websites these days. There's yep. Actors Access, there's Backstage, there's Mandy. Yeah. I assume you use all of these. Yep, yep. It's right. yeah, I'm I'm on all the websites. Um <clears throat> to make sure that nothing, you know, falls through the cracks. Sometimes you'll have the same one project posted on two things, but sometimes there's a project that's only posted on the web- one website that's not on the other. So that way you kind of have all your bases covered and they'll post Monday through Friday. They'll post the jobs. And I usually check maybe about like once in, once an hour or so as, as much as possible as I, you know, as much as I can with, with life. Um, once an hour looking for new job Looking postings? what's been posted within the last hour. Wow. Because that's how there are times, especially more so with backstage, because they cover everything, you know, everything from student film projects to like the real small off off Broadway unpaid. Right. 
not necessarily good quality, but it's there. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll post everything. So within an hour span of time, I mean, you could have 20 new projects where there's a role that you, you know, they've pegged that you might be fit for. Because, you know, you'll put in your your age range and, say, and your, yeah. you know, gender, things like that. So yeah. you put in, you know, a basic search and then um, they'll send email, the email notice to you, you know, the link to the website. And so within an hour's time, I could have, you know, another, another 20 new projects to look at. So you actually... If you set it up that way, you don't have to necessarily check the site every hour. You'll get an email yeah. if there's something yeah. new. Okay. Yeah. So let's explain this to people who may not know and new actors who may be listening or whatever. So the, again, good thing with the internet, you can be pretty easily organized about yeah. it. So you have the different sites, the Actors Access, the Mandy, the Backstage, there's Casting New York, Castings New York. You can Google all this stuff. Most of them do require you to pay, right? Either they, a monthly or a yearly they, uh, um, membership yeah. fee. There's, there's monthly, yearly, and then I used to go with the <coughs> pay for individual submissions, <coughs> but it's worth it to go with the unlimited, you know, monthly or yearly because yes. I found that I was submitting to so many things that it was more expensive to go the individual submission route. So right. it's well worth it to do right. the unlimited money. And I guess the advice for people is, you know, and you tell me, but I would think take your time, figure out the details of each site and how you can customize the search to suit yep. you. You know, really read all the details of each job before you decide to submit and then constantly be checking, as be you said. Checking, right? yeah. yeah. I, I will admit there are some times that I... <clears throat> won't always check every detail of the casting notice before I submit. Cause you know, if I'm doing it in a hurry on like a five minute break at work, you know, you're just kind of skimming over it to see the age, the ethnicity, and like, that might be it. You know what I mean? <laughs> or like, you know, looking at the, you know, click on, I'll click on the character name to take me to the website. Does it pay or not pay? Great. Awesome. You know, you're sometimes you are kind of skimming through it just cause you don't have the time and you got to check things really fast. So there have been a, there have been a time or two where I um you know maybe submitted to a project I'll get called for an audition then I realize oh I'm not actually available for the shoot dates or the performance dates because I have another show performing that day or I'm on vacation because we right. are human beings and we do want to do things like take yes. a vacation now and then yes. um so of course you got to balance that out you can't I mean you can be a workaholic if you want to but well, I was going to say too that kind and of life I assume <laughs> you you would agree that. You have to have balance and you have to have some life outside of just yeah. the acting stuff, not only for your own sanity, but to have a real world to base your work on. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. want to have that. I mean, there's, yeah, real, you know, real life experiences that you can use in your work for your sanity. And, you know, yeah, we're actors, but we're also human beings. I mean, you know, when I'm, you know, hopefully old and gray, when I'm, you know, Towards the end of, you know, at the end of my life there, you know, you, you want to have lived life too and had some fun as well. It can't just all be about work. So absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm, I'm about to head on like a two week vacation to Florida. My mom and I, we've wanted to take this vacation for years. We finally, you know, saved up the money Killer. to do it. Yeah, do it. So yeah, there are some auditions that, you know, luckily self-taping is a thing. So auditions that I'm not here to do in person because I'm on a vacation. Mm -hmm. I can self-tape now. Right. Um, but yeah, there are some projects that I had to, you know, not even submit my headshot resume for because they're going to be, you know, filming while I'm on vacation or the performances right. while I'm on vacation. And yeah, as you know, a business person, it kind of sucks because like you see what business opportunities you're losing out on. 
But yeah, at the end of the day, I'm a human being and I want to have a life too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like any other type of freelance work, there are going to be times when you're off the grid and yeah, you may yep. miss something, but it'll all be there when you get back. Uh, yeah, be it'll other all things. be there. Exactly. And, so. and you also don't want to show up to auditions desperate or jaded or exhausted. Oh, right? yeah. You yeah. Know, I've, so. I've definitely had moments in those life where I didn't take enough <laughs> self self care or whatnot and yeah you just you're just kind of so frazzled and 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 whatnot as a human being that it's it's not good for yeah, yeah. for the work and by the way here's some advice I can give uh, from the other side in my limited experience because you mentioned about submitting and then realizing oh the schedule doesn't work that's yep. understandable but it gets worse than that because i've occasionally been on the other side producing or directing something and you can always tell when someone just submits to everything without even thinking about <laughs> it because you'll either ask for specific information in the body of the submission that they do not bother writing or it's yep. a very it's a totally generic message or just you know it's it's for a female and a guy submits yeah. like things like that and that i'm sure cds will tell you that really turns them off because it shows that you're not even you know giving it any real attention yeah and i would have to guess that that would give a bad impression of you to them if they didn't want to consider you for a role you would be good for in the future so i would say be careful with that and, and take sure. the time yeah. to uh <laughs> to properly organize and 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 um you know, what's the word? Only submit for things that yeah. make sense for you yeah. to submit for. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things because, you know, on, on that side of things, on the casting things, of course it's understandable how annoying that is. Right. Um, yeah, I, I do the best I can, but, you know, we're human. Yeah. <laughs> you so, know, on our side of things, it's like I'm, I'm doing my best, but, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm trying to look at this real quick before I lose cell reception because I'm on the train or I don't, yeah. you know what I mean? Like just so many life of experiences. Of course, it can happen, sure. You're, you know, you're doing your Especially best. You fall the through internet. the cracks. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, yeah, I do end up feeling terrible because I think, oh, no, now I'm going to look like such an unprofessional person. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. It was an accident. And like, I would say the best thing is, <laughs> if you can, is shoot another email or a message. Oh, I just realized it was a mistake, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And at least they know you're aware of it yeah. and you're copying yeah. to it. All right. So a couple more things. Um, now that you've had however many years since you graduated AMDA and you've done so much stuff and everything, if you could go back and talk to yourself right when you were graduating, is there any advice you would give, any like regrets or mistakes you made that you were things you wish you knew then that you would tell your younger self? Um, prob probably, um, probably to just take deep breaths, slow down a little bit, use some common sense. Um, Cause I, I think, you know, right out the gate, it was like, I was, I was so excited to be in that world and to do anything and everything. And yeah. I wasn't always necessarily taking the time to, be smart about things, you know, on a business, on the business right. side of things. And, right. you know, doing the research in, is this theater company reputable? Is this director right. reputable? Like, you know, not always necessarily taking the time to see whether this project is even worth my time. What am I getting out of it? Because you're so, and I mean, on, on, on one hand, I guess, you know, in a sense, it's, it's fine to do that because when you're just starting out, you need the credits on the resume. You need the, you know, more, you know, something that's not just like your high school play in whatever small town, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's so on the one hand you need those, but I, 
I, you know, I feel like so much of what I've recently learned about the business side of it, it's not really rocket science per se. Like it's so many things that I've, I've recently discovered about how I should go about running my business as an actor. It's, it, some of it, it does seem like common sense and you think, well, duh, that's so easy. Why didn't I see that before? And I think because, you know, you just kind of have those stars in your eyes and you, you're just so excited that it's like, oh my gosh, I'm here. I'm going to do everything. And, and yeah, just not necessarily being smart and using my common sense the way I should have. And I know that I have the common sense and the smarts. And so, yeah, I, I think that, that advice and, um, and, and also I struggled a lot with my self-confidence and I don't know that there's necessarily anything I could have told that younger self that would have really registered, you know, you can hear it, but it doesn't mean that you're going to all of a sudden have so much confidence in yourself. Um, but if there was a way that I maybe could have explained that, you know, every actor has off days. So like if you have an off day at an audition, it's okay because every actor has those days. Like don't beat yourself up about it. Um, and yeah, that it's, it's that the person on the other side of the table is also a human being. You don't have to be so scared of them. They're also a human being. Um, one thing that I've really grown in a lot, um, with working for promoting Chicago is my self-confidence because I mean, I've met the producers of Chicago. I, you know, he, he'll say hello to me and give me a kiss on the cheek. Like he's like a doting old grandfather. He's so sweet. And, and, um, you know, even I've run into a couple of Hollywood celebrities that, you know, that I know that are just walking through Times Square on the way to a business meeting or whatever. And, and you're meeting people from around the world and, you know, being kind of on the same level in that moment in time, we're both on the streets of New York City, like in Times Square. Um, I've, I've learned how to really look people in the eyes, all sorts of random strangers, look them in the eyes and just talk to them as a human being. And that has, I've grown so much in my confidence because of that job and, and realizing that the person on the other table is a human being that who knows, maybe I may have looked him in the eye and tried to sell him tickets to Chicago yesterday or the day before, who knows, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that's something else I would have told my younger self is remember that the the person on the other side of the table is also a human being. They have the same, you know, basic human fears that, you know, you do and they, you know, enjoy, I don't know, the same, some of the same things that you do, you know, sitting down to a good meal. I don't like all sorts of basic human things that, um, yeah, just remembering that they're a human being as well with their yeah. own likes and dislikes and things that they love to do and fears and yeah, just remembering all of that. Yeah. Well, again, the casting director I had on, you guys can find this episode as well with Lori Malkin. Oh, you I, know. Just did, I just did a workshop with her like two days ago. Well, there you go. There we go. She's great. And <laughs> she is. She's you really can hear sweet. her episode. It's, it's, she's wonderful. We had a great conversation and her, and not every casting director is going to be the same, but what she says, and I'm sure a lot of them will say this, is she's much more interested in you being genuine as a person yeah. and her feeling connected with you as a yeah. person than your quote-unquote acting and your performance. Yeah. And I think a lot of them feel that way. Um, and you alluded to a couple of important things just to recap for, for advice. You know, one, you really do have to understand that it is a business yeah. and you are – taking care of yourself as a business and as a product, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and even though as an actor, you know, the work is so connected to yourself and it's very hard to separate, 
you have to separate. It's still work at the end of the day. Yep. And to, to, to think about rejection or, you know, things that happen to you in the career part of your life as, as personal slights, you know, can be very um, unhealthy. So you really have to learn to see it as a separate work and a separate business, like any business, but it's not it's not a personal thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Because even um, sometimes you might not get the role just because you need to be matched up with the guy who's playing your husband or whatever. And you're so much taller than him or you're just exactly. so much shorter than him. There's or, a million things There's that are so out of many your millions of little things that are yeah. completely out of your control. Yeah. Um, just height and yeah. whatnot. <laughs> hair color even. I mean, hair color yeah. is something you can personally yeah. change for sure. But... Yeah. I mean, if they found a brunette that they love just as much as you, then, yeah. you know, they're going to go with the brunette instead of the blonde or whatever. Yeah. I mean, so many little things that are out of your control. Yeah. I, I feel like for me, being that I am a perfectionist in general, if I can walk out of the audition room being proud of myself and knowing that I did everything I could, then great. And if I feel like I'm not up to, and like I said, I'm a perfectionist, so... So, so often I did an absolutely amazing job, I'm sure, but I'm still going to nitpick anyway because I'm a perfectionist. Um... But at least if I walk out of the audition room not quite feeling like I did as as well as I could, then it's not beating myself up about it. It's just saying, okay, so what do you need to do to make it better for next time? It's more focusing on on the work and not not beating yourself up about it, but just like learning the lesson or you know, what have you. Yeah, well, I think you're a great example of, again, what this podcast is all about is you're truly living the life and lifestyle of a working actor, uh, and you've been doing it for quite some years now. Yep. Um, so that leads to my last question for you, which is I know nobody can predict the future, but do you see yourself or is your current plan to just keep doing what you're doing? You know, do you, do you, do you have an end point or you're just, you know, <laughs> do, do you just see yourself continuing to live the way you're living and, and acting as much as you can for maybe the rest of your life. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I I obviously would like to, not like, love to, my goal, um, to become a full-time paid working actor. Of course. So that I don't have to have that part-time job, as of it course. were. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, being that I grew up performing, this is all I want to do. That's it's great. all I've ever wanted to do. That's and great. I can't picture myself doing anything else. And um you know, on days when, when it, you know, you kind of, because of course every actor has those days when it's like, oh, it's, you know, it seems like it's taking so long to get that quote unquote big break to become that full time. Well, that's a myth, isn't actor. it? In it's, most cases, there is no one there, there's big no, break. There's no one big break. But yeah. of course there's going to be j certain jobs or whatever that can take you up to sure. the next level, sure. obviously. Sure. and. And sometimes, you know, when you feel like you've been at that same one level and you're having a hard time breaking through to that next rung up the career ladder. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one, one thing that I, one thing that really helps me a lot actually is thinking about actors like Morgan Freeman, for example. I mean, he didn't, you know, not, and not even necessarily talking about having to become a famous name or anything, but he didn't kind of get his, you know, bigger breaks and, you know, really climb up that ladder until he was, I mean, he was in his, like, late 40s, early 50s. Oh, there's a lot like that. Jim and there's Hackman. a lot like that. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. so many. And sure. and even, you know, like, I think about someone like maybe Brian Cranston or Viola Davis. Like, so many of these other current actors that I look up to and respect so much. 
I oh, at yeah, least, I at least, too, yeah, like yeah. I at least didn't I know who know. they were until, you know, I mean, obviously they weren't as young as 20, 25, like Al- Allison Janney. I mean, yeah, like yes. she, like she was in like yes. thinking back to like 10 things I hate about you. Like, yeah, she was in that then and nobody really knew her name, but she clearly wasn't like 18 years old either. You know what I mean? So, you know, thinking about so many of these actors that are such big names today that I re- look up to and respect so much, that helps a lot. That's great. Because it helps to remind you that this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Exactly. It's okay to take your time and do it right and and to not and again, stress over it. Exactly. And again, yeah. you, you clearly are a real actor because it's what you want to do and, and you think that way. So that's yeah. great. All right, so do you want to plug anything of your own coming up? You mentioned As You Like It. Yes, I have. I'm going to pull my phone out because I did. I I took a, stra- a screenshot of the post so that I could remember from, you know, oh, yeah, this is when it is and this is where it's playing. Perfect. Yes. Okay, so uh, runs As You Like It runs April 25th through the 28th. At the Playroom Theater. It's on West 46. It's 151 West 46. Um, I don't have specific show times yet, um, but I'm sure there a link will, Is will be coming out. Is there a company name or a website people can it's, go to? Uh, it's the Rogue Players. Rogue Players. Yes. And do you want it to be where they can find you on your own social media or no? Yeah, I have a website. Um, uh, www.lkal. M-E-N dot com. And I'll post all this below the episode as well yeah. so you I guys can see it. If I just said Al Kelman, then, yeah. well, how do I spell that? Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I have my website, and then it's got links to my Facebook and Twitter, and so you can see the posts there for all the stuff that I'm doing. All right, excellent. And, and yeah. if you guys are interested in this podcast or want to reach me about this podcast, or if you are an actor and might want to come on or anything at all, um, you can reach me at Craft Business Life Podcast. That's all one word, Craft Business Life Podcast at gmail.com. And obviously that'll be posted with the episode as well. And um, Lydia, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, this was thank great. Thank you again. All right. And that's it. See you all next time.